State of the Sun Devils with Jeremy Schnell, Jesse Morrison, and Mitch Bereldis, an Arizona sports podcast. Hello and welcome inside Desert Financial Arena for the post-game edition of State of the Sun Devils alongside Jesse Morrison and Mitch Bereldis. I'm Jeremy Schnell, ASU. Beats USC 82-67, to gets back on track after a tough loss earlier in the week to UCLA. Guys, let's start out with Bronny James. He played his first ever game here at Desert Financial Arena. Jesse, get your thoughts first. What do you think? He's got a lot of work to do. Uh, he can make some really good passes. Ball handling-wise, uh, that's where I think the work's got to come for him. Um, ASU did a really good job against him and the rest of uh, USC's team today, just forcing turnovers. It was an excellent performance defensively for Arizona State, um, led to them getting this win. Mitch, it, it seemed like he was pretty good at passing, but when you're going up against a guy like Frankie Collins, who might be one of the best, if not the best defender in college basketball, it's gonna be difficult to not turn the ball over. No, in all honesty, I think Frankie is going to be giving Bronny James nightmares after this one. That Frankie was up in his face. He forced the ball turnover. They had, what was it, they had two 10-second violations at the start of the second half, and a big part of that was Frank, uh, the whole ASU defense today was just absurdly stellar. How many turnovers? 20-plus turnovers today forced by ASU? They had five in the first five minutes of the game. That's how you knew it was going to be a good defensive performance for ASU, and we got exactly that and their second-highest offensive outing as well today, which was everything that we've wanted to see. Yeah, 22 turnovers for USC. Six of those steals that ASU got, uh, they had 12. Six of those steals came from Frankie Collins all in the first half. We were talking about this at halftime, Mitch. He owns the record for uh, most steals in a game for ASU at eight, and he, we're like, he might get 12 today. <laughs> I feel I feel partially responsible. So this is an apology to Frankie and ASU. Um, I had mentioned, because you had told us, I believe the great SID, Doug Tamarell, mentioned that Frankie holds the single-game record and was currently at six. He was two away from tying his own single-game record. Once that information got out there, he didn't get another steal for the rest of the game. And then... Later, at about two and a half minutes left in the game, I mentioned that ASU was at 82 points, two away from their uh, high in a single game this season, and then they scored zero points the rest of the way. So I want to apologize. I feel partially responsible for ASU not scoring any more points down the stretch and Frankie not getting any more steals. We will make a poll on at AZ Sports Devils asking if Mitch is a jinx. Jesse, um, as we move into what ASU did well here today, um, they did, obviously they got the turnovers, but also three-point shooting was pretty good again. Yeah, only 31% on the game, but they opened up really well shooting the three. Uh, kind of set the tone for the game, and then the rest of the game was the turnovers, was the points off of the turnovers, were the, the steals. And the number that is just really sticks out to me is the fact that it was a 22 to 9 um, difference in turnovers between USC's 22 and ASU's 9 which if that happens you're gonna win basketball games and also ASU's rebounding effort toward the end of the first half with Bryant Celebonge nine offensive rebounds in the first half that was incredible and they haven't been the best rebounding team this year so to be able to do that in, in that stretch when it's so important, especially in college basketball, I've noticed, 
to have that momentum heading into the locker room at halftime. And ASU totally did that. And they were able to come out and kind of keep that momentum for the rest of the game. And uh, just, you got to shout out Bryant for that. And then again, those turnovers at the end of the half that ASU was able to force. And Mitch, you look at the uh, USC team, they played a lot of zone today, it seemed like. Yep. ASU was moving the ball a little bit better than what we've seen throughout this season. Um, just being able to get open shots, I think that's key moving forward for ASU. They seem to get open shots, and maybe you know they'll start falling. Obviously, the eight three-pointers, they had 11 the other day. If they continue to get those open shots, I think they can do well moving forward. I mean, look, generally speaking, I am... I'm thrilled with an 82-point offensive performance. But, yes, when you look into it a little bit deeper and you realize that they shot just barely over 40%, was it, from the floor today, you get a little, eh, oh, was it really a great 82? But it actually really was, to your point, about how they were able to space out the offense and make USC run from place to place trying to cover ASU. They had a lot of really good open looks that just didn't go in. So many corner three attempts down there on that side from Jemiah and Alonzo today that were just any other day they probably go in if it's a fantastic shot because they had the look. Adam Miller had a lot of good looks today too. He was he had a quieter performance today, but I loved what I saw today. This was one of those I have very few nitpicks about the offensive sets today, and I love saying that after this one. I'm going to actually disagree with you a little bit here, Mitch. I will say that I think that they do need to still get a little bit better in their half-court offense, but I think it doesn't really matter if they can get out and transition and force these turnovers like they did today. I did not like Adam Miller's shot selection today. I thought he took a lot of uh, open threes. I thought some of the ball movement could have been better. I thought there were some contested drives. Like, why are you driving on three people? But, but again, as I just said, doesn't matter if you're going to force 22 turnovers and be out in transition all the time and have numbers. Like, if ASU can just do that, they can overcome all of their offensive woes in the half-court offense. Yeah, for Miller, one for eight from the field today. Not his best performance, like you said, Mitch, but he got up those eight shots, and I think volume is good for him because if ASU is going to be moving forward and trying to get into the tournament... They're going to need someone to score at volume. I mean, today it was Jose Perez. We waited this long to talk about him. The quietest 20 points I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I, you know, I thought Jemiah Neal and Frankie Collins were taking over, and I look up and Jose Perez has 20 points. That's how Jose does it. Again, I've said this multiple times. He's just a very strange basketball player. Like his game is not what you would expect from a division one basketball player. Uh, like it's just an odd watch, uh, but he gets it done, which is what you, you need and what you want. And he scores. That's ASU needed scoring coming into this season. And that's what he's been providing. Granted, it looks like he's the dude at the YMCA that just hops into the pickup uh, game and, and runs a couple games with his friends at lunch, but uh, he does score, and that's what they need, and he's a much better shooter than I think people think, and so he just gets kind of left open, and they, they and then he shoots the three, and his little post-up game, and the, and the paint is nice, or just outside of the paint. Uh, I really like him as a player, despite how his, you know, his game is. 
It's interesting because we talked about uh, Jose Perez coming into the season. We didn't know what his role was going to be. But you look at him, and, and he basically does what this team needs on any given night. He fills a gap that's needed to be filled, no matter what it is. It could be rebounding. There was a game earlier this season when they had two bigs out, and he had a bunch of rebounds. It doesn't matter what ASU needs. It seems like Jose Perez fills that gap. Just generally speaking, I love Jose's mentality, even if it's kind of an off night for him. This was obviously not an off night for him. This was an excellent night for Jose. I love his mentality. Post game, he was asked what goes into his offensive mindset or something to that ilk. I don't want to mince the question too much. But he said, if I got one-on-one, I'm taking the shot. I love that confidence. I love that bravado. I love that, let's call it what it is. He's got dog in him. Jose Perez has got dog in him, right? When he sees the one-on-one, he takes it. That's just his mindset. And I love that aggressive mentality for an offense that has been not at this level for most of this year. If they can get that out of Jose from game to game, we're going to see a ton of 80-point performances out of this team. And let's now go to something that Jose said post-game. The crowd, Jesse, it was pretty very, It was pretty good today, I would say, the second largest student section in uh, DFA history. Um, Jose Perez was asked if he ever heard a crowd like he heard today, and he said, yes, I've been in college for six years. But that's not to say this crowd was not amazing today. It was great. Yes, the crowd was fantastic today. Uh, it was a huge crowd uh, that, again, adds into the whole just part of Jose Perez that just kind of makes him just like an odd player is just how many colleges he's been to and how long he's been in college. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the student section stretched forever today, and the fans were so loud, especially at the end of the first half, which Bobby Hurley mentioned. That was an electric atmosphere today. Um, we'll say that I don't love the booing of Bronny James or the people saying that he's overrated. Like, he didn't do anything but just be LeBron's kid. Like, he didn't choose that. So I, I, I just don't like it. And he's also coming off a heart attack quite recently. So di- didn't love that from the fans. But other than that, the crowd was really really awesome today and not just the students there are a lot of fans here that just came to watch the game and I I think that maybe a little bit of it helps that it was during the day some more day games would be nice here which I think they might get in the Big 12. And then of course uh, the Bobby technical foul Mitch uh, last game it was obviously the biggest turning point in the game which was ASU just losing their composure but after Bobby's technical foul they seemed to quiet down and keep to themselves. The rest of the team didn't really argue with the refs. They smiled. They talked to the refs. They asked questions of the refs. They did not yell and say that was a terrible call. They were smiling and asking questions. Why? What did I do there? Please tell me so that they can learn. The way you built that up, man, I tell you. Um, it was interesting, too, because Bobby was asked about coming off of that rough UCLA loss and admitted that he was nervous heading into this matchup against USC because you never know what the composure is going to be from these guys from game to game, right? And after a loss that took place this past Wednesday, it can kind of eat at you a little bit sometimes. But he also said that they benefited from the extra day. So the fact that they played on a Wednesday and then a Saturday as opposed to Thursday and Saturday, excuse me, really benefited the team and I think helped calm them down a ton. 
and we saw I'm, I'm kicking myself we didn't even bring it up this this late the composer was really really good today outside of the technical foul yeah like i said i think it was good and i think that uh as doug tamara walks by hi doug um, <laughs> you know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no the, t the composure was good and jesse i think that's what they have to do moving forward in order to you know move into uh, deeper into pac-12 play yeah, the occasional technical foul from Bobby is fine, especially today. That was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Um, so, like, just just where was that foul? Come on. And and so, yeah, the occasional tech from, from the coach, especially at the college level, I don't really believe in it at the professional level, but at the college level can kind of rile up the guys and, you know, coach just got my back. So I don't really mind it from uh, a – Bobby Hurley perspective so I mean just overall uh, that that wasn't a big concern of me in this game and I think yeah going forward that if Bobby's the one like we said on our, our podcast uh, earlier this week like if Bo if Bobby is the one that's the one that's get, getting angry and with the refs that's fine the players don't need to do that now up to Oregon they take on both Oregon schools Oregon and Oregon State the biggest game of their season so far will be against Oregon. Um, I think I, I, there's a lot to, to think about when you're going into this game, but ASU put themselves in a good position today to build off of a nice win against this USC team. I mean, look, going in, Jose Perez said it best. It's for first place. Oregon, which has, they've played awesome so far this year in conference play. It had been them and ASU that had been undefeated the first four games in, and Oregon is still playing out of their mind when it comes to conference play. So to Jose saying that this is for first place, absolutely. This is a massive weekend for ASU to maintain ground in what has been, to be honest, a pretty weak conference so far this year, Jesse. I think it's a must win, and here's why. ASU has seven losses this season. They're trying to make the tournament. They're four games over 500. Yes, the 5-2 and two in the Pac-12 is a really good Pac-12 record, but seven losses, and they're not great losses, most of them. So ASU needs to stack good wins. And this is a really good opportunity for them to get one of those good wins. So I think they have to win this game if they want to, you know, continue hoping for that NCAA tournament berth. I think either way, however this game goes on Thursday, it's an opportunity for them to get a win, obviously, but it's also an opportunity for them to have a letdown on Saturday. So if they do win or they do lose, they cannot lose to Oregon State. They need to win on Saturday. Two games, uh, they only have one day off in between games, and they just have to be prepared for both teams and, you know, play with some urgency, Mitch. Um, now, let's talk real quick. I'm just going to – I'm going to – Yeah. Go ahead, Jeremy. Um, Go ahead. So, real quick, uh, Antonio Pierce is a head coach in the NFL, Jesse. Mm -hmm. That's weird, yeah. uh, especially as I spoke yesterday about this. Um, he was one of the key conspirators in one of ASU's darkest moments. Uh, back in 2021, Pierce, or 2022, excuse me, Pierce decided to step down and, you know, go on to greener pastures uh, and allegedly he was involved in some recruiting violations here at ASU. If ASU didn't have that, you know, they could have had some uh, pretty good seasons. Uh, Note how we have to say allegedly still because we are, what, three years removed from the incident and we still have no notice of allegations towards ASU? Thank NCAA. 
we're waiting for that. And Antonio Pierce is now a head coach in the NFL. You would think that I, I, I think that teams do their due diligence well in the NFL, and I'm sure they love Antonio Pierce and his passion for the game. That's great. But as I've said before on this podcast, once a cheater, always a cheater. Please, please watch out for him in the NFL. If, if, if he's going to cheat at the NCAA level, what makes you think he is not going to at the NFL level? I agree wholeheartedly with that, and I just don't understand why he, uh, Herm, and uh, Adam Brenneman, who is also accused of things at Arizona State, why they continue to fall up. Herm, you can hear him all day on Sundays on ESPN Radio talking about the NFL. He vouched for Antonio Pierce to get the Raiders job, which is awesome. Uh, and then that's sarcasm. Um, and then Adam Brenneman's got all these big time broadcasting gigs and then TikTok that's going well. And then you, you see Antonio Pierce getting the head coach job, not interim head coach job, full on head coach job for the Las Vegas Raiders. So, you know, I guess just to, to me, this just proves that I guess like in, in life, you just cheat your way to the top. Like it's it just, what are we doing? <laughs> My turn? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the take that I agree with the most I saw from Joe Healy, who does Speak of the Devils, but he put it like this. I'm sure, or something to the ilk of, Antonio Pierce is still a great motivator, still a great coach. He's still great as far as teaching the game of football and motivating people to do the day in, day out. But he cheated. And he's still, allegedly, sorry, NCAA, speed your ass up, come on. And yet he still gets rewarded as a result of this misdoing, this alleged misdoing. And that's where the frustration lies for me. Because when he was here and before we knew about the incident, I loved Antonio Pierce as a part of this staff. There was even the big fuss about, oh, is U of A going to spend big money to make him their head coach? And then there was the cute little video that they did with the cash sound effect in the background as to say, like, we're keeping AP, man. He's not going anywhere. I almost kind of wish he did. Yeah, there was the the cringy like ASU recruiting video with him in it, which was cringe. But like at the time, I thought it was still funny. So um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's, the whole situation is just awful, and I feel for ASU fans that have to now watch this guy coach NFL football all the time and coach one of the former ASU players now. What kind of uh, just I, what kind of example does this set for people that you know kids that want to get into football, right? Like he's the head, he's one of thirty-two coaches in the NFL. I I just I it baffles me. Anyway, ASU wins this one, eighty-two to sixty-seven. What a game it was! It was a lot of fun. Big crowd, second biggest second biggest student section in DFA history. Great job by the fans who showed out today, and yeah. This environment has to be better than GCU. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> of course he needed to say that. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of City of the Sun Devils. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. We have Threads. At AZ Sports Devils on every single platform you can find. You can also find all the articles that are written about Arizona State Athletics on ArizonaSports.com. Alex Weiner will have a recap article right there for you to read and uh, put our words that we said into a written form. So 
He's, he does a great job over at ArizonaSports.com. Please go and check that out. Also, on YouTube, we're on the court right now at uh, DFA. You can uh, look and see that we're here. We have our video on the Arizona Sports YouTube channel. And if you want to follow us there and subscribe, please make sure to do so because we do almost every podcast on there. Again, that's going to do it for this edition of State of the Sun Devils. Thank you so much for listening alongside my good friends, Jesse Morrison and Mitch Reldith. Good friends? I'm Jeremy Schnell. We will talk to you next week.